Okay, here we go. Welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, uh, Halloween viral sensation, Paul McLeod. Um, yeah, I did catch uh, some syphilis today. So, um, yeah, it's been a rough Halloween. Is, uh, yeah, syphilis is a virus, isn't it? No, no, I guess it's probably a, a bacteria. Yeah, I, I just, wow, wow, you... <laughs> was right there let's do this again let's start over i meant herpes i'm sorry (laughs) that's what i caught i did not catch syphilis i caught herpes no no we don't we we never go back and do it over (laughs) because that's how you catch syphilis yes um (laughs) well played well played uh we opened with a track called four walls and an amplifier by brock berrigan uh, he is an artist that I was introduced to this week, uh, and he has a new album out called, uh, Way of Life, uh, which is quite good, um, of whatever that genre that we just heard was, sampled soul uh, electronica. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moby But Good. <laughs> <laughs> or, or sort of a low-key avalanches, maybe. Yes. Um, he releases a lot of albums of these sorts of beats. Uh, this was from one in uh, 2014. Um, and he's had three albums since then. So uh, he's one of those. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ye- yes. Yeah. If you don't have anything better to do than fuck around with samples all day, I think you can churn this stuff out pretty fast. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, as um, Mad Lib has proven <laughs> exactly um or uh or jay dilla you don't even need to be alive and you can be releasing this music absolutely um paul did you like the 30 seconds of that that you just heard i did it's uh uh at the very least um it would be quality uh all my bros are here being bros and we're just gonna need some background music it'd be a great soundtrack for that uh, good work music and you know it definitely sounded good enough to just hold my attention on its own uh, uh, in those 40 seconds so um, uh, good choice one thing to note about Brock Barrigan he always wears a chicken mask ah yes I'm looking at a picture of him in this chicken mask right now um, it's uh, uh, I give it more art points than Dead Mouse's mouse mask so um, uh it's he's got that going for it's him. it's good to have a thing it's good to have a brand yeah um hmm 
not as good as Doom's uh, metal face, though. I think uh, that's pretty clear. No, but that, you know, you, you really have to be Doom to pull off wearing a metal <laughs> face and sending imposters to your concerts to, to rap as you. Um, Doom's concerts being famously bad for... And that being yes. one of the reasons. <laughs> I really want to see Doom, but as far as I know, he's still stuck in England, which is where he was uh, a few years ago, last I checked. Why is he stuck in England? Yeah, there was some sort of like passport problem. Like He went there, and I believe he was actually born in London, even though he didn't really live there. Um, and uh, mm. due to some sort of uh, immigration status snafu, he was stuck there for a while. I don't know if he ever got back. I hope he did for his sake. I hope he did too. He belongs uh, in America, mm-hmm. uh, just tearing, tearing, tearing us up <laughs> coast to coast. Exactly. With his army of imposters. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we, d- doom is not one of our subjects for today, Joe. No, he is not. Um, uh, Paul, you believe uh, that human existence is a mere fluctuation in the formless void of being. Our thoughts and feelings have no more or less meaning than the lifeless ocean beneath the ice of Jupiter's moon, Europa. (laughs) In the context of these beliefs, how do you view the phenomenon of David S. Pumpkins? Joe, it's a uh, it's a thing that a lot of people have been laughing at over the past. I don't know how. What has it been like? Four days since it came out, something like and, that. Uh, yeah, it might be a full solid week. It's been a solid week. Yeah, I was, guess so. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's cut that out, Joe. I don't want to be wrong about that. Anyway, um, uh, people have been laughing about it, but I think they're I think they're making a mistake because really I think what David S. Pumpkins does is uh, hold up to us a truly horrifying image of our own selves. Um, Consider that in the sketch we see two bourgeois types, obviously too sophisticated to be uh, be impressed by the threadbare and harmless (coughs) horror tropes they've paid money to have presented rapidly to them in tiny little bites. Um, You know, they're sort of... uh, acting like, ooh, I might get scared, but uh, then at the same time, they're uh, s- they're clearly winking to themselves and to the audience that, ha <laughs> I'm not actually going to be scared by these, uh, these things. Um, nonetheless, they pretend they're in danger of becoming frightened by this, what's essentially a limp comedy show. Uh, everything should be this sort of pre-masticated, uh, molded into a little simulacrum that they can chuckle at and say, ha, how comforting, a trope I already know. Uh, so then, of course, you know, we see the, uh, the various, uh, you know, heads on platters and, uh, you know, sometimes at nearly uh, name-specific, like the ring girl uh, characters and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. motifs being shown to us. Mm-hmm. And they, again, feign fright and really laugh, and it's all wonderful. They're all used to it. But then, Joe, they're, cons- they're forced to confront one morsel they never expected, uh, to quote one of the characters, a guy in a pumpkin suit with two B-boy skeletons. Now, um, you know, in and of itself, this doesn't seem too harmful. But of course, the characters, they are not, uh, they do not, they're not able to just laugh it off. 
In fact, they evince first only confusion, which is uh, really the first genuine, authentic emotion they've had in the whole uh, presentation. And then as they're forced over and over to confront this uh, incongruous scene again and again, uh, they become unable to escape the fact that they have never encountered this character, character or his signifiers before, and their discomfort morphs into to anguish and then actual horror. Uh, their coddled minds just cannot accept that this consumer bargain they've entered into has caused them to be exposed to something that they never anticipated or even knew might exist. It's not a character that they've already seen as they continuously uh, demand that they be reassured it is. Um, and uh, as their discomfort grows, what we need to confront, what we need to see is that these people, Joe, they're us. Wow. Whoa. Ah, <laughs> uh, just, so we are. <laughs> Joe, this is a, this is a deep commentary on our, on our regurgitated, self-referencing, endlessly mindless culture of uh, 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 pop culture vomit consumption. But Paul, when you say that we are this couple, mm-hmm. as you're saying, I mean, we, are, we as a society, we as a society are this couple. Mm-hmm. You were assigning uh, meaning to that which has none. <laughs> I would say that we desire not to be or to oppose uh, to see a, a you know a negative uh, reflection in these uh, characters, but in fact to uh, see them as approaching uh, the white noise hum uh, <laughs> that is. Uh, existence without shape or purpose. Uh, you know, we desire meaninglessness. And what's more, we desire uh, to do nothing uh, to, to earn that meaninglessness. And uh, we expect to be given the privilege to enjoy it. Uh, I would say <laughs> this is the ultimate privilege, um, the privilege to disregard existence itself. And it is uh, something that David S. Pumpkins uh, and all these uh, characters who are mere facets uh, of him, uh, I, would, <laughs> I would argue that everyone in the sketch is, in fact, David S. Pumpkins, uh, uh, that we, they bring forth from us our ultimate desire uh, to find... Um, uh, no meaning in anything, and particularly no meaning within ourselves. Uh, and and uh, there is a meta-ness uh, to this in the fact that uh, David S. Pumpkins is played uh, by a being to whom we've assigned the uh, name Tom Hanks. Uh, <laughs> he is a conglomeration of fictional characters who we have loosely linked uh, by that signifier, um, and we wish to destroy uh, the meaning of uh, some of our greatest uh, fictional heroes as well as our uh, uh, quote-unquote um, uh, non-fictional selves. Mm. So, so there seems to be a, a contradiction in our two interpretations of this mm-hmm. work, Joe. Mm-hmm. 
a clash. Oh, this text. This text, I should say. It's a yes. It's a clash of civilizations. <laughs> I think. I think I can perhaps resolve it. Mm-hmm. Um, where I see a sly or maybe even accidental commentary on uh, we the audience in the form of the uh, two ostensible protagonists, um, you see. Uh, you see people who actually embody our own wish to to uh, escape meaning and uh, find find peace in meaninglessness. Is that a, a decent gloss on what you yes. presented? Yes, okay. I, I will accept that. Okay, uh, perhaps perhaps the meaninglessness they seek, uh, perhaps in my version they do seek that, but their horror is um, that they are confronted, uh, you know, meaningless can only be found, meaninglessness can only be found in that which is so pre-digested, so something we're so used to that we have stopped being able to find any significance in it. Uh, you know, the ring girl, for instance. Um, she may have frightened us once, but uh, by now the creepy kid thing is so played out that it has become almost comforting to us in that, there's no longer any any new significance for us to uh, to glean from it. Whereas uh, David Pumpkins, in seeming to perhaps signify something, but actually uh, uh, eluding interpretation, um, this sort of uh, deficit of meaning that this creates. Um, you know, whereas the Ring Girl, again, using that as one particular example that stands in for the others, um, we can see what meaning. Uh, we can understand all the meaning that might have been there and that we are now able to move past. But with David S. Pumpkins, we sense that there should be some meaning there, and it forces us to try to seek it against our will, and thus we are uh, robbed of the comfort that you say we seek. Well, I would I would say that we are not robbed of it, but we're given it, because where you see a, a seeking... Uh, of mm-hmm. that meaning where it seemed to have been, I see a relief that there never was meaning. And, you bring and yet up, the characters are terrified, Joe. They are. They are. But they they are, when you bring up the ring girl and how we, we <laughs> must, we have, have had to work hard to break that character down into a meaningless joke. And mm-hmm. here... David S. Pumpkins is already that joke. He was born into existence, <laughs> having been robbed of existence, and we are uh, pleased uh, to see, or I say having been robbed of, of any um, um, weighty substance, and we are relieved mm-hmm. to be in that position. And the characters are frightened uh, merely as part of a... Uh, unending cycle of uh, play acting meant Mm -hmm. to um, uh, no doubt with diminishing returns meant to enjoy uh, the uh, lack of um, uh, any um, cultural weight yes weight signifiers that would make us need to think about anything beyond david s pumpkins himself (laughs) joe perhaps perhaps the reason we can't reconcile ourselves here is that whereas you uh find some comfort in this sort of postmodern uh rejection of all structure and meaning in the uh in the intellectual 
uh, telos of humanity. I find that the very extinction of humanity and a horror in and of itself, and I seek to fight against it whenever I can. Well, I, I think that we could agree that uh, whether uh, or not um, uh, we enjoy it, uh, that David S. Pumpkins uh, is indeed one of the darkest figures to <laughs> appear on our cultural landscape in quite some no time. No question. No question. Uh, yeah, and it's it's um, uh, it is uh, a, a foreboding sign of what's just to when come. we just when we see the finish line with Trump and our escape from him, we are confronted with pumpkins, and and now it's a new struggle. I could see David S. Pumpkins running. Uh, for running for some, give, being given some sort of real authority. <laughs> no question. Uh, Joe, uh, I just have one more question for you. Okay. Um, how hard are you right now after that discussion? Well, it, you know, it depends. <laughs> how what do you, what meaning do you just describe to our all of the meaning, Joe. It's really the only the only incontrovertible thing in itself that we can confront in this universe. Then I am this. then I am tumescent across the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I think that I think we did it, Joe. I think we figured out David S. Pumpkins. We did. We did. Uh, I don't like what we found, but it <laughs> needed to be done. Uh, and uh, yeah. I'm now I'm oh. I'm glad I'm having a beer. <laughs> I'm glad I'm having a cigarette in my living room. Um, <laughs> this meaning existence is meaningless. <laughs> All right, Joe, I think we need a musical break after that. Yes. That uh, Rick James recorded a music video for that uh, 1981 single, uh, and it too uh, celebrates a certain uh, uh, distinct lack of uh, meaning for anything but the uh, carnal pleasures in life. Uh, but it's it's a nice contrast to see how 35 years later uh, we've given up even those. <laughs> and instead uh, rejoice in a uh, in a pastiche. That's true. I uh, there's nothing sexy physically about David S. Pumpkins. Damn. Only, only mentally. Oh no, he's like a virus. He's taken <laughs> over this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just watched the first minute of that music video, and um, uh, I have to uh, 
I have to co- compliment Rick James on the woke diversity of his harem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I believe he has uh, a woman from from every continent in it, if I if if I count correctly. It, it seems that way. Yes. Um, well done, Rick James. <laughs> Uh, speaking of wokeness, Joe, uh, Amy Schumer got in some trouble this this uh, week for um, for doing a parody of the Formation video. Um, uh, when you're on your deathbed, will you remember where you were when you saw that video for the first time? Well, I was sitting uh, at this very desk uh, five minutes before this podcast started watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, probably not, unless by some strange coincidence I decide that I need to remember this moment uh, all the way until uh, my dying, dying days. Okay, so you will get over the shock of her racism. I uh, yes, I I am over uh, Amy Schumer. I don't see her troubling me. Uh, into the let's see when I'm gonna die the 2060s we'll say I don't eh, see eh. Eh, you know that's <laughs> eh, you know 2062 <laughs> is probably my target date I feel like any year after that I'll be uh, thankful for yeah uh, every year before that I will be cursing <laughs> <laughs> yeah um as far as I can tell, this uh, <laughs> we picked this just because we were looking for uh, headlines to talk about. Um, that's the true essential nature of the Savage Beast podcast. And um, I have to say, uh, uh, I'm not even sure this is actually a real controversy. Because when I looked up the news stories about this, it was like uh, the th- there were like four tweets embedded in them, right? Uh, same and four the- tweets. And the accounts for all of them were under 2,000 followers, which 2,000 is way more followers than we have. So I'm not casting any shade on that account. But uh, nobody makes a big deal out of it when we accuse people of racism with our account. And uh, it doesn't seem to me these people pass the threshold of being uh, – there were no blue check marks. Um, as far as I can tell, it's just a dumb video that's uh, not even really interesting, much less offensive. And um, – uh, uh, I think the way this thing becomes a news story is that a few idiots complain about something and then it gets picked up as a news story by sites like, like Pitchfork or Hot New Hip Hop or I also read a story. And just because it makes for a nice provocative headline, I don't like accusing people of uh, click whoring, but um, because that's possibly the most overused insult on the internet. But... Um, as far as I can tell, that's all that's going on here. It seems like, uh, you know, it's not a thing until it gets picked up because it's a nice headline, and then it actually does become a thing because there are a bunch of headlines everywhere. Yeah, uh, I, it seems to me that there's absolutely no doubt that uh, there is more to be said about the uh, generated controversy than there is about the anyone's feelings uh that generated the controversy you know any any yeah i have you did not find the um the that sort of uh, primary source uh think piece saying we need to talk about amy schumer's formation <laughs> exactly um, you know watching to just 
it's an interesting video to watch. Um, it she definitely. Well, here's my here's my take. Yeah. Hot hot take. Um, I would say that she certainly. I don't think there's any subtle racism to, racism to it. I think there's obvious racism to oh, it. Oh come on, that's not <laughs> racist. No, I actually I would say there's an obvious. Uh, there is from some angle, it's not racist at all. There's an obvious dismissal of the, uh, um, you know the. Uh, thesis uh, that Beyonce is trying to make by, you know, less than a year after it comes out, um, making a uh, rather stupid and silly parody of it and releasing that on the internet. Um, but um, releasing that on Jay Z or on Beyonce's husband's music service, it should be noted. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, ultimately it's just like girls all over the world probably have had a good time expressing themselves, uh, acting out this video and probably filming it. I mean, it's really hard to, then this is just no different than that. Like of course, Amy Schumer dances her ass off to formation. Like hell. I mean, uh, you know, I dance my ass off to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and the only difference is, you know, putting it on YouTube, knowing you're going to get a million views because you're Amy Schumer. And, Um, you know, you have to accept that you're making some statement, but I, I, yeah, there's just no controversy there. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can all agree that we can all be sensible and realize her intentions were not to dismiss, you know, Beyonce's Beyonce. I, man, I cannot say Beyonce. I, I cannot say her name. I can't say her name. It's a real problem. It's a um, it's a Beetlejuice thing, Joe. Yes, uh, <laughs> to did not to not dismiss Bay's uh, intentions. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the only. I, I can see what you're saying. That yes, if this were to somehow detract attention away from the message in the original one, that could be seen as some sort of erasing, uh, 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 you know, sin. Um, but honestly, like you said, it's just a girl and her friends, uh, a woman and her friends, uh, uh, having fun, uh, with a fun song or, you know, a song they enjoy. And, uh, I think that can exist at the same time that the original statement that people found very powerful can also exist. And, uh, it doesn't have to detract from it. It's just like, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. And it's pretty clear, like you said, that her intentions were just they had nothing to do with any of that and that's fine if you put out art it's it's going to be the case that people are going to sort of uh use it for other ends it's not some sort of uh sacred relic and mm-hmm. uh that's good basically yeah. well so paul I, this is going to lead to a lot of uhing on our part but uh-huh. where what's an example of this um where someone put out you know sort of a supposed tribute and it was uh, the wrong choice. Um, well, uh, are you trying to get me to bring up the Fred Armisen thing we're talking about <laughs> later on? 
I've, I'm less angry that, about that than I was when I first saw it. Unfortunately, my take has cooled significantly. It's been taken out off the walk of indignation, and it's now in the uh, rice steamer of uh, uh, I have a life. Uh. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> well, uh, because... Um, <laughs> honestly uh what is a thing okay so this is not this is different in that uh there's no race card for me to play here um there are things that are derivative of other works that i like a lot that suck and it annoys me that they suck real bad like uh the peter jackson lord of the rings movies there you go but <laughs> but um uh I do my very best not to get angry about shit like that because I can choose not to watch them. And in fact, I have done so. Uh, right. So um, really, I don't care. Right. Right. And and it would be odd. Mm-hmm. It would be odd for Amy Schumer or someone in her position to set out to purposefully subvert mm-hmm. a um, what we might call a just cause that another artist has embarked upon uh without exactly these the sort of artist creating the parody uh being so i don't know politically or ideologically opposed that um this statement uh well, i should say that they would already be so ideologically opposed that the statement would be expected from them anyway like yeah. like Scott I like if Scott Adams did a parody of Formation you're like yeah Scott Adams is a uh, uh, a fucking idiot um, yeah. of course and you know of course he is going to put out just the worst thing about Formation that I'm that you're ever going to read on the internet um, yeah then all that you're getting out of that is just the the sort of uh, the sort of uh, pleasant frisson of gawking at an idiot being an idiot. Um, yes. Whereas Amy Schumer, like the worst you could say is that, as you said, she would be subverting Beyonce and clearly she's not trying to do that. I mean, she didn't do anything any more racist than that. Uh, you know, she just was white and danced basically. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't get the big deal. Um, okay. Well, is this a thing? We answered no, no. Um, but we made it a thing by putting it on the uh, hallowed airwaves of Savage Beast. I, I want to give credit to David Letterman, who did have the the routine on his show where he would say, "Is this anything?" True, and, and then they would, you know, they, they would <laughs> usually say no. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, Joe, uh, can you give us the aforementioned uh, lukewarm take on uh, Fred Armisen, or is it too lukewarm? To well, be it's a good. It's though? a good. You know, I I. That's a Portlandia. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh God! If you have to explain the joke, it's not good. Um, no, Fred. Uh, we'll Fr- trust that. Go ahead. Well, Fred Armisen is um, one of his uh, gags that he's well known for is uh, doing impressions and imitations of rock stars, um, mm-hmm. including actually playing music, since he is, uh, uh, you know, a, a talented musician. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, he has this series called Documentary Now with Bill Hader, where he um, they make parody versions of famous documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think the entire 
series is in a bit of bad taste. Uh, I don't know if you've watched any of it. Um, I've watched a few episodes. I thought it made it makes very obvious jokes that seem to kind of poke fun more the subject of the documentary than they do at like where perhaps they could be making fun of documentary filmmakers or I don't mm. know like why why is Fred Armisen and Bill Hader dressed as the uh, ladies from Grey Gardens? Um, interesting like what can they bring to that role that the original documentary which is just so bizarre and uh dark uh um that 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 itself doesn't bring i don't know and so okay wait that's the one of the like two i've actually seen yeah um and uh i didn't know anything about the original when i saw it actually um, I presume that in the original, they do not end up dead. Is that true? They're, they're yes. Their stories are different in the original. Uh, okay. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> Incidentally, the uh, Grey Gardens was made by the directors of Gimme Shelter, which we reviewed on a previous episode. Yes, that is true. Interesting. Um, anyway, not to turn this into a... Uh, um, uh, movie and TV podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that uh, I, I have feel the same feelings that like, why the fuck do I want to watch Fred Armisen pretend to be David Byrne? Yes, uh, David Byrne is fucking awesome. Uh, he David Byrne's as his self parody is in intrinsic part of his act and it feels so mean-spirited to me to uh use your comedic celebrity to um do a i don't know if you want to call it silly but a somewhere between silly and dumb impersonation of him uh if not entirely i mean you know uh i guess fun and so, you know, I mean, like if you're without outside of context, it's, you know, well done, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my feeling, I, I didn't watch the IFC episode, but I did listen to, uh, some of the full albums worth of tracks and I watched their performance on Seth Meyers. And, uh, that was basically my reaction is like, this is at worst a toothless parody and at most a pointless tribute because they actually do do a pretty decent job of doing like, like basically it's the, what you would get if you went to one of the professional sound song sound alike makers that commercials use where they're like, we want a song two in our commercial, but we're not paying for song two. So you record a song that everybody will instantly realize is supposed to be song two without being song two. I've heard so many commercials (laughs) that have fake song two in them. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so that's what this sounds like. It sounds like those people doing talking head songs. And uh, on top of that, there are some like parody lyrics, like art plus student equals poor. But really the parody lyrics are like, like honestly, I'm not trying to be thin skinned and, uh, and lame and not in on the joke, but uh, like, ha ha ha, art students are full of themselves is not exactly biting comedy in this day and age. Um so uh 
Yeah, it's just really like um, a weird. Uh, I can see why Fred Armisen and Bill Hader would enjoy uh, trying to make Talking Heads like songs to each other. I don't understand why anyone else would want to listen to it. Um, and then uh, I also thought of the same point you had, which is that Talking Heads is kind of parody proof in that it already is sort of a parody of modern life, um, laced with a lot of, uh, I think, cr- crucial uh, sympathy for the people um, whose foibles uh, David Byrne illustrates. But um, yeah, that makes it pretty hard to re-parody when it already is uh, very much a parody itself. So um I just, uh, yeah, I don't know why this exists. It it seems a bit of, like a bit of dickish bullying. Uh, and, <laughs> See, uh, I'm sure they would say, "Oh, we did it out of love," because, and I, yeah. I actually believe them because you wouldn't make like ten songs of this unless you actually did like the Talking Heads. I don't think that's true. That is true. There's a level of devotion uh, to the task that is admirable. Yeah, uh, but um, anyway. Thumb, thumbs down. <laughs> that was uh, suitably suitably tepid, Joe. Fred Armisen has been dispensed with. Um, all right. One last uh, tepid subject that maybe we can go through real quick, <laughs> which is uh, this extremely tepid Drake uh, Kid Cudi beef, which cracked me up just because, um, on the one hand, uh, I'm glad rappers aren't shooting each other anymore. I guess I should explain the beef, which is... Kid Cudi basically made fun of Drake and Kanye for not writing their own music on Twitter, which is uh, a joke roughly uh, 200 million Americans have made now. And um, and five Canadians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Drake responded by, uh, you know, lobbing some fairly tame insults uh, at Kid Cudi without bothering to actually name him. The sub-beef seems to be the... Uh, the real method of Drake these days um, in uh, one of some beef. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't actually say his name. You just make references that everybody latches onto um, in one of his songs. Uh, Drake did this, but so I'm glad people aren't shooting each other. That's great. But if uh, this sort of like just uh, lame kayfabe is what we get instead, then uh, I don't really understand why we're, pretending to care about beef at all anymore this is just the lamest shit people should just rap if that's all they're gonna do yeah i'm gonna admit that uh i had my fill of rap beefs uh with or drake sub beefs with uh uh meek the meek mill drake battle i thought drake uh uh you know represented his uh himself well there uh and entertainingly in a light way um and uh need no more uh just uh just just make some you know do do your drake thing drake yeah that you drake so well um one other note it's really funny that uh you know so apparently kid cuddy is uh in rehab for depression right now which that's the the phrase I read. I did not know that one went to rehab for depression. But anyway. Yeah, that's a new one. Um, maybe that's just a mistake in the article I read, or maybe that is a thing you do. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I guess we're all going to rehab at like from the ages of, I don't know, 18 to 24 or something like that. Exactly. Anyway, it's funny because like lots of people are like, 
oh no, Drake, you can't make you can't beef with a guy who's depressed, which <laughs> like that was just a bridge way too far for these people. And then other people came back and were like, no, guys, come on. Drake would not do that, all right? That I, uh, There's no way. Which <laughs> cracked me up because uh, depression is a serious problem. I'm fairly sure I've been depressed, uh, like diagnosably so, even though I've not actually been diagnosed at one point or another. Um, and uh, you shouldn't make fun of people who are depressed. But on the other hand, if... Uh, uh, if causing your opponent to feel really sad is like too grave a danger, uh, if one when one enters into a beef, then uh, <laughs> you definitely need to stay out of beefing because yes. I don't see what the other point could possibly be. Uh, I, I I cannot disagree, um, and I think that uh, kid uh, kid Cuddy Cuddy's. Kid Cuddy's um, 2015 uh, 90-minute uh, rock album epic, <laughs> Speed and Bullet to Heaven, uh, is punishment enough. Uh, he sub-beefed himself uh, by uh, making a 26-track uh, shitty rock album as a uh, well-known hip-hop al- artist. Yeah, um, never never do that. It didn't work for most deaf, and it's not going to work for you. No, no. Um, I guess uh, most def was just a rock song that sucks rather than a rock album. But still. yes, yes, um, it, you know, all about the Benjamins uh, is uh, remains the high water mark for uh, rap rock uh, <laughs> collaborations, and um, the fact that that is so uh, not good. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be tough on it's all about the Benjamins. Uh, it's a really fun song, but um, th- the fact that that's the best one in that category uh, says something. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Joe. Uh, so I think now we should go uh, without, uh, without segue and just say that we're now going to talk about Hole. Yes, but I would love to hear some Hole. I think so, too. I am...
<laughs> that song uh, takes off a little later. I have a bad habit of accidentally choosing sort of more slow-burning songs for these uh, uh, samples. But um, uh, this Joe is from Live Through This, a 1994 album that I listened to entirely for the first time just today. Why Why did you listen to this album today, Paul? What inspired Be- it? Because it was on sale for $5 on Amazon.com's MP3 shop. Wow. Um, Manipulated by the capitalist marketplace. Indeed, Joe. Uh, They have their hooks deep in. Uh Uh, But uh, uh, this time I'm glad they do because this album rules. Uh, Okay. So uh, you were you a total whole virgin before this? (laughs) I find that hard to believe, but anything's possible. (laughs) can't say total whole virgin <laughs> expect me to keep just podcasting um <laughs> um i uh only knew the singles really yeah and uh uh that was a mistake on my part this um you know this album did re- reasonably well but i guess because uh it was like two years old by the time i started really listening to alt rock yeah and she then did not release another album for another two or three years after that, which was the less influential celebrity skin. Um, uh, I sort of just didn't understand the significance of whole at the time and hadn't, hadn't gone back until today. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, it turns out this is what all those uh, uh, lady led uh, alt rock bands we listen to now are really hearkening back to. Yeah. There's certainly, um, you know, our uh, micro generation, Maybe mm-hmm. people were born nineteen, but like nineteen eighty and after, who were still, I don't know, gr- teenagers in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I can't do the math when when that ends. Maybe through nineteen eighty five or whatever, um, nineteen eighty four. Um, but uh, we were kind of cut off from the grungier part of alternative rock. Um, just because things like this album came out when we were 12. Um, exactly. So it was just a little early for us. So, you know, I, I think, you know, a- anywhere from that that zone, um, we were had to listen to even this album as a reference to um, uh, the other albums uh, that we were liking a little later in the 90s. Yeah, and I mean, most of us, you know, made it back to listen to earlier 90s stuff like Nevermind and 10 and so forth. But, um, you know, Hole didn't make it on that list, at least for me, possibly because uh, uh, Courtney Love really did get um, denigrated and vilified a lot. I mean, my main memories of uh, Courtney Love back from back in the 90s are, A, like, uh, that's the witch who was married to Kurt when he over, you know, she <laughs> killed her addiction I mean, and killed himself yeah, right. yeah and then also the rampant rumors that uh actually she sucks at songwriting and kurt wrote all of this album right which I, which yeah does not seem to be true at all although they were not uh they were then uh, the fact that billy corkin wrote the uh singles on celebrity skin did not help with that rumor it did not uh, um my but, understanding there though is that he was more like a songwriting coach than the actual writer but i don't really did, know for sure he was nominated for a grammy for writing uh yeah he's got Malibu. like four or five songwriting credits but along with like five other people in each case right 
um, okay, we're once mad. You just show a glimmer of Smashing Pumpkins, and we just chase it like a <laughs> like a kitten, like a. Drunk I know, kitten. I know. We're talking about Live Through This, Joe, which Billy Corgan was not involved with. So let's, no, let's although hold he may on. have been subtweeted on it a few times, <laughs> possibly. Yes, there were also the rumors that they fucked or whatever. But let's let's not go there. Okay. Um. Yeah, so I don't know, Joe. Did you enjoy this album as much as I did? Well, it was great to listen to it uh, again. I'd been a while since I'd uh, listened to the whole thing, and I, I think this is one of those that fit the, you know, bought a used CD later on and listened to it a couple times uh, because it only cost $3 uh, mm-hmm. category. For me, um, probably was listening to the singles. Um, I actually... Um, uh, the lead song "Violet" uh, has mm-hmm. always been one of my favorite uh, pure '90s alternative rock songs, and I, I really picked up on that even back in the day, um, and have liked it since then. So that's always been kind of my uh, yeah. connection to this album. Um, uh, and uh, I think they did a MTV Unplugged, I want to say, and I was into that. Um, Anyway, this is the boring personal history uh, part of this review that uh, nobody cares about, as we discussed in our last episode. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to get into my review a little bit. Uh, I would say it. that, um, I, you know, I, this it has the classic crunch of alternative rock, and that's mm-hmm. in suitable rotation with stretched out, spacey verses, that have mm-hmm. that uh, w- wet bass feel to them. I don't know if this is what is actually called wet bass, but it's what I call wet <laughs> bass, um, spongy bass, um, okay. uh, which leads Courtney's voice on its myriad adventures. Um, uh-huh. And at its best, uh, it's grunge empowering a strong female voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it literally, is, yes. Um, and at its worst, uh, it's probably gentrified punk uh, toned down to fit uh, the demands of major labels when they were at their most bloated and flailing uh, before the fall. <laughs> um, and when I, when you know, it's you listen to this, and yes, um, people, um, this. Uh, there's no, well, I'll say this. There's not a ton here um, mm-hmm. that Liz Fair doesn't do better, ah. but it's certainly more appealing to a broad audience and, and therefore, you know, must have served as the initial inspiration uh, for legions of rockers now, um, both male and female, but particularly uh, many of the yeah. female uh, rock stars we uh, uh, follow uh, yeah. now. Um and you know, in that sense, it's one of alt rock's most karaoke karaokeable <laughs> albums. Uh, you know, uh, you can belt out like "Someday You Will Ache Like I Ache," mm-hmm. and you don't look like a total uh, boner. You know, whereas <laughs> if you're just sitting around singing "Closing Time," which of yeah. course I've been known to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I agree to some extent that um, it's not like this is the most revolutionary songwriting ever yeah but it is and i can see i can i can almost without having to look it up imagine the this is gentrified punk takes you uh you alluded to i'm sure they existed 
back then especially. Well, it's a common grunge criticism, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that said, this is um, not dull uh, music by any stretch, to my mind anyway. It's uh, somewhere between serviceable to uh, excellent grunge rock. And then Courtney Love's voice, I actually really love. I didn't realize uh, how, how much I would like uh, just the sheer power in her voice, which I mean, people like uh, Dilly Dally and uh, the bully lead singer um, are clearly doing a Courtney Love thing, and uh, but the original is uh, uh, awesome, and um, yes, uh, that alone I think makes the album worth listening to. Just the way she can fucking bellow. Yeah, her voice sounds great here, and it's 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 uh, even though I knew that I was surprised listening to the whole listening through a couple times today about how well she could sing at this point and how powerful it was. Yeah. It uh I need to go back and listen to uh Celebrity Skin now and see if uh see if um it's awesome basically yeah. <laughs> because I've never listened to that album. I really only know the uh like two of the singles from it. Um yeah. I think about this album, I wonder uh whether a lot of times I wonder, you know, would I really enjoy it if Speedy Ortiz um, or some of these other bands we talk about um, uh, made a more poppy album, um, one that mm-hmm. had that uh, that verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, power chord structure yeah. to it. Um, and I think it, it's interesting that Live Through This really is that album. Yes. Um, and... Uh, it's probably not as good as Foil Deer, if one needs to make that sort of a comparison, which you probably don't. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, it, it does kind of, it. it's like, I'm glad Courtney Love was the hero for indie rock practitioners who now freed from these illusions that stadiums will be chanting the lyrics to every single song from the album. Um, have kind of harnessed this spirit and uh, produced uh, even better results. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's uh, those are those are my thoughts on uh, uh, on whole. I agree. It's uh, possibly possibly served mostly uh, nowadays as a a good inspiration for even better stuff. But I I think it's worth going back. It's still pretty good. I my, my last observation is. Um, that it's clearly a product of the heroin age. Um, <laughs> it's got void black lyrics, uh, like true, you know, take everything I want you to, I need you to. Mm-hmm. Uh, someday you will like, like I, ache. yes, uh, Kurt Cobain died just before it came out, and the bassist, uh, Kristen Pfaff, uh, on this album died from a heroin overdose a few months after it came out. Yeah. Um, and it's like how <laughs> one gr- really gross thing to think about is thinking about how excited some A&R guy at DGC or whatever must have been when he uh, realized that after he got over Kurt Cobain being dead, he realized like, oh, Courtney's album comes out in a week. This is perfect. Oh, yeah, please. That conversation happened in just so many. Uh, God. Yeah. And it, probably and the, it worked too, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's hard to overstate how much of that Seattle Pacific Northwest grunge scene is now defined by the number of its stars that were like destroyed by heroin. Cause there's always one more that you forgot about. Like I forgot that the original bassist a whole yeah. died from a heroin overdose. Um, and it's kind of, I was wondering if that led to uh, the reins being given over from grunge to the Pacific Northwest grunge to alternative rock bands from elsewhere. Uh, could be. I'm sure um, <laughs> it didn't help things that, yeah. <laughs> that was going on. I mean, Lane Staley didn't die for a while, but he was all on heroin. It was uh, it was a bad time. Supposedly we're in another heroin epidemic, but I can't think of too many rock stars dropping, uh, dropping dead nowadays. Um, maybe because they're no more rock stars. That's that's yeah. That's why. <laughs> uh, well, there's a bright side to everything. Um, all right, Joe. Do you have anything else for our listeners today? I do not. All right. Well, I've enjoyed this um, random grab bag. Uh, it's helped distract me from the meaninglessness of my existence, um, uh, which uh, I I yet resist that meaninglessness. Yeah, I think I'm now I'm going to go to bed uh, listening to David S. Pumpkins on repeat. Not even <laughs> watching, just listening. It's a sort of mantra. Complete with the uh, skeleton uh, uh, catcalls and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when in times of crisis, just repeat uh, those two words. Any questions over <laughs> and over to yourself. You will find you will find the way. Excellent. Um, if you have questions for us, please get in contact with us uh, at SavageBeastPod on Twitter or SavageBeastPod at gmail.com uh, for email. Uh, SavageBeastPod.com is our website. And uh, as always, we encourage you to please subscribe, rate, review uh, on iTunes so that the world can know uh, uh, how important David S. Pumpkins is to their lives. Yes, and thanks to all the uh, listeners, new and old out there. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, mm-hmm. And if you like David S. Pumpkins, we understand. <laughs> Good night.